to Who Will Save Generation X, the trivia game show that is dedicated to remembering, celebrating, and preserving all the wonderful qualities of Generation X through games, trivia, and friends. I am Zave, your host, and today we have two great contestants ready to compete for fabulous prizes and in the process do their part to save Generation X from being forgotten. Are you ready to do your part? Please play along with the contestants while you listen and see what rad prize you would have wanted if you were here with us saving Generation X from fading into oblivion. We're so happy you've chosen to join us, and I'm sure you're going to get a nice dose of nostalgia and maybe a few laughs along the way. So if everyone's ready, let's start the show. This episode, I am super excited to have these two Gen Xers share their memories of our generation. There's something here for everyone, I hope. But if you like reminiscing about Star Wars, Scooby-Doo, the movie Grease, and the music of Generation X, then this episode is one you might especially like. Especially like. You guys know where that drops from? That especially like drops from? I'm just curious if you guys would know. Because no one's been able to figure it out yet. I don't know. No, I don't know. Then we're going to edit that part right out of the show. (laughs) (laughs) Where is it from? It's from Cars That Go Boom. You remember that song? It's like a kind of a hip hoppy song in like, I think it's late 80s. We, we like, like the, the cars, cars, the cars that go boom. Oh, okay. We're Tigra and Bunny, and we like the boom. Remember that song? Yeah. It's like I a one-hit wonder kind of kind of thing. Anyways, that's always stuck with me my whole life. <laughs> Moving on. We're going to save Gen X for future generation state with the material we cover with these two best friends of nearly 40 years, if I have that number right. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's great. Wow. <laughs> that's a lot of years. Yeah. And uh, they're also two of the most knowledgeable guests we've ever had on the show. Please welcome to the show the two hosts of a wonderful podcast called the gen x mixtape let's first meet dave hi dave Dave. right man dave hello how's it going my name's dave i'm a teacher from ohio and co-host of gen x mixtape happy to be on the show and i'm just hoping i don't let my generation down well it's all right on you dave so no pressure Dave's here. <laughs> and please welcome also to the show dave's co-host on the show alan hi alan Hello, my name is Alan. I come to you from the Buckeye State as well. I'm I'm a middle school language arts teacher and part-time DJ, co-host of Gen X Mixtape. And yeah, Dave and I are both looking forward to, to doing this. Yeah, we're, we're just a little competitive over the just last 40 years, yes. so <laughs> it should mm-hmm. be interesting. What What is the actual number? How long have you guys been friends? Well, since about, what, 1989, probably. Uh, yeah, is that about right? 90? Yeah. I think it was what junior year English yeah. class. I think. I mean, we went to the same elementary, but he was in the smart kids class, and they weren't allowed to talk to us, and so we never actually got to know each other until high school. Great. Well, it is honestly an honor to have you guys on the show. It really is. I'm a big fan of the show. We'll get into more of that later in, in a bit. But before we meet these two guests properly, let's give a quick overview of the games we'll be playing today. I hear you. Hit it. If you're new to the show, this is how we play. The show is broken up into three rounds of games. 
The winner of the first two rounds will receive an advantage in the following round, and the player who wins round three will win a chance at today's fabulous prize. The prize vault always seems to be full of surprises, and in this case, I will be surprised if anyone thinks the prizes are indeed fabulous. We're going to jump right into round one now and get the games rolling. Round one. Hey guys, you know, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the first game of the day. It's a game we call the Facts of Life. The Facts of Life. The Facts of Life. In this game, we will take the top 10 crowdsourced opinions about a topic, and players must compete to identify them on a top 10 list. An incorrect answer will get you a strike, and the player that gets three strikes loses the round. The winner of round one will be awarded the power. The power. Which is a position that will grant them advantages throughout the show. So no points are awarded in round one, but having the power is a great advantage in each round. Since these two guests have a podcast that celebrates mixtapes and the Gen Xers who made them... I thought it only appropriate to have this episode's Facts of Life topic about, yep, you guessed it, Star Wars toys. <laughs> Somewhere in space, the most extraordinary creatures ever seen are formed in a war. A war between good and evil. A war between both sides of the Force, the strongest power in the universe. Use the boss, Luke. Feel the force, fight the battles, live the adventure with Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection, the biggest collection of vehicles, figures, and playsets in the galaxy, each sold separately, only from Kenner. In the mid-1970s, Lucasfilm was working on a little-known sci-fi space opera and was in search of a manufacturer to make toys based on its characters. Mattel passed, and the other major toy companies in the country followed suit. Finally, Kenner, a small enterprise from Cincinnati, rolled the dice and introduced the world to Star Wars toys. The result was, to put it mildly, revolutionary. Not only did Kenner's new collection create a paradigm shift of how toys were collected, it also changed the way toys were created and sold to kids. Before Star Wars, 12-inch dolls like G.I. Joe reigned supreme. Kenner was the first to sell the 3.75-inch action figures and the first to create vehicles and expansive playsets to go with them. Recognizing they screwed up by passing on the franchise, it didn't take long for other toy companies to follow Kenner's lead. G.I. Joe shrunk to 3.75 scale. Mattel launched Masters of the Universe to compete. Everyone was trying to catch up with Star Wars, and frankly, they still are. For 40 years, Star Wars toys have served as the gateway to fans' obsession with the franchise. Whether it was an action figure, a replica weapon to roleplay with, an interactive playset, If you were born during or after the 70s, you played with Star Wars toys. But which of those thousands of Star Wars toys sold over the past four decades are the best or coolest or most collectible, valuable, rare, or innovative? Sure, everyone's got their personal childhood favorites, but we want to take into consideration all of those factors to figure out the best Star Wars toys of all time. The experts were consulted via phone by one of the judges to a top-tier toy designer to get his input as well as a whole staff of fellow designers, some of whom were employees of Kinner during the original launch of these toys. It is the most curated Facts of Life list we've had to date on the podcast, and those who contributed have the resume to back up their picks as the greatest Star Wars toys of our generation. So the list rules are that these are only toys made from the first three movies and only toys sold by Kinner during the 1970s and 80s. So there are no modern re-releases, no knockoff brands or random unlicensed crap that your mom found at the swap meet. Okay. We flipped the coin backstage to see who goes first. And Dave, you won the coin flip. Tell me, Dave, what are the greatest Star Wars toys of Generation X? 
Uh, I'm going to go with um, the Yoda puppet that came out shortly after The Empire Strikes Back. You are reckless. The Yoda puppet made number 12 on our survey. Oh. I'm so sorry. That's your strike one. Wow. That surprises me. You're not <laughs> starting off strong saving Gen no, X so far, no. Dave. It's okay. You have two more strikes. I'm sure this will come to you. Okay, Alan, over to you. What do you got for your first answer? I am going to venture a guess that it was the collapsible lightsaber. Lightsaber. Number two on the survey. Well done, Alan. The Force is with you. A Star Wars lightsaber, new from Kenner. Balloons not included. We would have accepted an empty cardboard roll of uh, gift wrapping paper as well, if you said that at home. Back to you, Dave. Uh, is it too vague to say the action figure, or do I need to be specific? Well, we have, if you listened closely to the opening, action figures, uh, replica weapons, role play with, interactive play sets, all that stuff is on the board. But yeah, a, a name of a specific action figure. Okay, I'm going to go with the, I'm gonna, you know what? I'm going to go with the Millennium Falcon. Not an action figure. Change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> the Falcon. Number three on the survey. All right, I'll take it. I'll take well it. Well done. Let's check it out, Chewbacca. There's even a hidden storage hatch. Ready for takeoff. Jump to light speed. We're gone. On to the Death Star. Millennium Falcon from Kenner's Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back collection. Action figures each sold separately. So you're still only one strike for you, Dave. Over you, Alan. Strike list. Let's see what you got. Okay, well, he gave you the Millennium. I'm going to give you the X-Wing you guys are not only experts on Gen X music. I think you're also experts on Star Wars toys because that is number six on the survey. Here's the Star Wars X-Wing fighter. Spaceships and Luke Skywalker sold separately. Batteries not included. The built-in R2-D2 on Luke's X-Wing created the desire to remove it, much like the number one answer on the list. Oh, interesting. Let's see, let's see if you get a free hint there. Back to you, Dave. Well, now you threw me off on my next guess here. Let's see. <laughs> Uh, well, I still yeah, have to start to play with you then it's yeah, it's it. Uh, I'm going to go back to the action figure thing. The question is which action figure? Cause there were a lot of popular ones. Of course. Um, I'm going to just go with, I'm going to go with the Darth Vader action figure, Darth Vader, number nine on the survey. Okay. Yeah, at least it's on the board. Yeah. So under this entry is, uh, not only Darth Vader, but also Luke and Obi-Wan action figures each sold separately. So any figure with a telescoping lightsaber was revolutionary for the time that made those three figures. Ones we especially like. Especially like. <laughs> yeah, it's silly, I know. Go back to you, Alan. Still no strikes. Five have, answers remain on the board. We have not given you any of the actual play sets yet. So I'm going to I'm gonna go with the Dagobah playset. You had many to choose from and you went the wrong way. I'm sorry, Ooh. Alan. That's a that's a strike <laughs> for you. No love for Yoda. Okay. You must unlearn what you have learned. The Dagobah playset ranked number 15. So it, it was mentioned, but uh, not quite in the top 10. So it's still a good answer. Hmm. Only one strike. You guys are both doing great. Dave, back to you. I'm going to stick with the vehicles. I'm going to go with the TIE fighter. You know, the, you press the button and the, the wings fell off. I was really nervous about this top 10 list, but I think I picked a good one. That's number four on the survey. All right. So we have number four on the survey. Technically, it's the Darth Vader TIE fighter. But I'm, I'm sure that's what you meant, right? In your heart? Of course. Yeah, of course. It was cooler <laughs> than the regular TIE fighter with his angled wings and cooler, darker colors. From Kenner's Star Wars collection, the new Darth Vader TIE fighter. Action figures each sold separately. So back over to you, Alan. Okay. Well, you know what? I am going to name the At-At. Mm, yeah, that's good. That's I, good. That, yeah. The thing was huge. It was. Look at the size of that thing. So... Originally, ADAT was not on the survey, 
but I fought with them and convinced them to make it number 10 on the list. Well done. Because <laughs> I'm with you. That AT-AT was an awesome, awesome toy. Because it wasn't just a vehicle. It was also like a playset unto itself. Like is I don't know, like two feet tall, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It was big. Yeah. It was very yeah. big. Articulated legs, and you can do all kinds of stuff with it. It's new AT-AT, the all-terrain armored transport from Kenner. Batteries not included. Action figures each sold separately. Okay, so there are four answers remaining. The number one answer still on the list. Back to you, Dave. Uh, boy, I don't know now because, you know, we're supposed to base this on what, you know, the populace said. So I'm not sure if this was as popular as it was for me, but I'm going to go with the Death Star playset because it had all sorts of great stuff. The trash compactor, it came with a little monster. You could even, uh, the little swingy thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you love my description? The swingy thing. Yeah, swingy. yeah I believe the technical term is swingy thing. <laughs> and that swingy thing was number five on the list. All right. All right. Well done. Yeah, I'm with you, Dave. The Death Star playset was the holy grail of playsets for Star Wars. I think you kind of took my fun fact, though, but uh, <laughs> the story was worth having just for the kooky looking trash compactor monster. Remember that like green little monster figure? Like oh, yeah. very rarely Star Wars playsets came with figures, right? That was like usually like a kind of a G.I. Joe innovation. But this came with like the little compactor monster in the movie. You only just see the little eye popping up, you know, out of the trash. But you get it, the full view of this monster. Oh, no, the trash compactor. There's a trash monster. The wall's closing. Kenner's new Star Wars Death Star Space Station. Action figures each sold separately. Three answers remain. Alan and Dave, both with only one strike. My spidey sense tells me we're going to get some strikes here coming up real soon. But we'll see if you can avoid it. Alan, back to you. I am going to say, how about Han frozen in carbonite? We're going to have to consult the judges on this one. Judges, the nope. judges are going to give it to you, Alan. The one that came with Slave One, yeah. The one I had came with this with the with Boba Fett's uh, ship, but they did actually have. There was like a really. I'm sorry, we're just going on and on here. <laughs> Go this ahead. is not this our is... podcast. We need no, to no, no. Up. If you got a story to share, an anecdote or whatever, let it fly. You know, in sharing these stories, that's what the show is about. We're saving Generation X through our stories and anecdotes and and just having a good time and, and talking amongst friends. So, Oh, I got a story. Oh, yeah. Let's hear <laughs> it. All right. The Dagobah system, which, of course, was number 15, my one strike. I had put it away in storage. I know what exactly what he's going to yeah. say. And I pulled <laughs> it out. And here's the thing. Almost every Dagobah that you find now, a collectible that is being sold or being resold, the styrofoam has, yes, it deteriorated. has deteriorated. About mine, 10 years after. It did. Mine was still perfect. And you, tu you touched it. No. no <laughs> you, put R, you put R2 in it. No, no okay. I did not. <laughs> I, it was perfect. Well, eventually I became a father. And oh, my older son was a huge Star Wars fan. So I went ahead and got out all of my old Star Wars toys and told him that he could play with them if he was very careful. He Those are famous last words, yeah, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> he's lucky he still has a pulse. Um, he, <laughs> he not only touched it, he literally... <laughs> tore oh, the styrofoam man. out of oh. the uh ouch yeah oh i was i was so livid that day and my wife just kind of blamed put the blame on me and said you know i never should have let him play with it so i'm never going to get any money for but here's the thing i was never going to sell it anyway so right. oh that that hurt that was so painful 
Oh yeah. Well, you know, I'll, I'll just add on to that. So my son was into the prequels and there was that second generation in the nineties of the original right. trilogy action figures. And of course he wanted to play with them. And the older stuff, of course, the vintage stuff was special to us, but it wasn't as cool as the newer products they were putting out in the nineties. And so I actually sold all of my original stuff on eBay. I took all of that money and I bought all of the new stuff for him to play with. And yeah, I know it's oh. all, but, but here's the thing, the, the little swingy thing from the Death Star, believe it or not, that <laughs> is, is one of the most lost pieces. And I think I sold I, I, just that piece. I sold it for $250. Wow. Yeah. I also had the, uh, the blue snaggle tooth that came in the early oh, yeah. kit. Oh yeah. And uh, I sold that one. I wanted to say about 350 bucks. So nice. it went to my son. I felt, I felt good about it. What else was I going to do with it? It was sitting in a box. I know, but that's a uh, father of the year material right there. Yeah. Both of us. Cause you know, you know, right, you gave right. it to your kid to play with. So that's yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, father of the year for Alan, but maybe not son of the year <laughs> for, for your boy. <laughs> okay. Well, let's get back to number eight here. So we consulted the judges and only because if it's specifically written in our fun fact, Boba Fett's slave one ship was number eight on the survey. The ship made the list because it also came with the carbonite Han Solo as a bonus. Of course, if you didn't have this toy, you could always just put Han in a glass of water and put it in the freezer like us poor kids did. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Slave one with frozen Han Solo from Kenner's Star Wars, the Empire Strikes Back collection. Action figures each sold separately. Okay, so you uh, avoided a strike by the narrowest of margin there, Alan. Back to you, Dave. There are only two answers remaining. I knew I had two really smart guys coming on the podcast, and I thought if if ever there was a chance to get everything off one of these top 10 lists in Facts of Life, this is the episode. So once again, no pressure, but you can make history on the podcast here today if you can get one of these answers. Well, I'm going to go with the Boba Fett action figure, not, not the really rare one. I think there were five prototypes that had the missile that launched people claim to have that one, but the one that you had to save the proof of purchases off of the uh, cards and send them in. That's number one on the yes. survey. Yes. Well done. And once again, you stole my fun fact. Oh, sorry. <laughs> originally, a proof of, <laughs> originally a proof of purchases, mail away figure. Boba Fett was the most controversial figure in the Star Wars Kinner history. This is due to the common misconception that he was, quote, never, ever, ever released to the general public with any capacity with a firing rocket backpack. If you had that attention-seeking kid on the playground who said, yeah, I had the Boba Fett with the rocket. No, that is impossible. It did not happen, unquote, by the toy manufacturer himself. It was an urban legend that the firing Boba Fett is, was available to the public. It was never available, as you said, Dave. Turns out Kenner was originally going to release the Bounty Hunter with a rocket firing backpack. Safety concerns, however, led to the company's decision not to have the rocket fire on the figure. Still, the mystery of the silent but deadly Bounty Hunter and the elusiveness of this toy created a cult following. Here's a quick side note. The first time I handed my Boba Fett action figure to my daughter to play with, she immediately asked me if the missile on his backpack shoots out. I was floored. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is like a generational thing. Something about this toy that transcends generations because everyone seems to have the same thought about it once they see it, you know? And now Boba Fett, Star Wars villain with his laser rifle. Boba Fett is not yet available in stores, but you can get him free with four proofs of purchase from any Star Wars action figures. Star Wars action figures sold separately from Kenner. Okay, so Dave, you got the number one answer, so you get the tiebreaker should there be a tie. And I think there's a high likelihood of that happening here. Just want to let you know ahead of time. Alan, now the pressure's on you. There is only 
one answer remaining on the survey. Well, my my hunch still works. I was going to say the remote control R2-D2. That is a great guess. Let's see if it made the survey, though. Number 18 on the survey. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Alan, that's strike two. We got a bunch of strikes to, to play with here at the end. Take a <laughs> swing, Dave. All right. I'm going to go with the... Um... The Jabba the Hutt playset that came with Jabba, which was a figure of sorts. That's exactly what I would have said in your position. And I also would have been wrong. Okay. <laughs> Two strikes. <laughs> I'm sorry. That is incorrect. Two strikes apiece. Alan, can you avoid striking out by this with this clutch move here? I am going to say the Tauntaun. That's another great answer. And I'm sad to say that Tauntaun made number 22 on the survey. You have failed me for the last time. So that is incorrect. That means, Dave, you have won round one. And that means you have the power. The power is yours. All right. I got the power. <laughs> well done. So let's go down the top the force, 10 list. The, the force is the with force me. The force is strong with this one. Yes. <laughs> we'll reveal the one that you guys missed. The one you did not get, number seven, was the Rancor. Oh, the Rancor. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, From Return of the Jedi, this built to scale monster could not only pick up a Gamorrean guard and eat it, but it was great at munching on your sister's Barbies too. Don't ask me how I know that. (laughs) See, I was going to go with Slave Leia. So, (laughs) well, yeah, that didn't come out until the second series later in the 90s. Well, aware. Before we start round two, let's take a moment to better meet our contestants. The judges are the gatekeepers of all things Gen X on the show. And to that end, they are requesting to know from our contestants about their Gen X credentials. That is, apart from being born between 1965 and 1980, what qualifies you to claim yourself as part of Generation X and what might potentially disqualify you from being Gen X? Please welcome to the show, Dave. Dave. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and please include your Gen X qualifiers and potential disqualifiers. Well, let's see. My qualifiers, Gen X all the way. I spent way, way too many hours with the Atari 2600 as a youth. (laughs) My grandmother purchased it and she wouldn't let me take it to my house, which was her sneaky way, I think, of uh, making sure that I visited. And I did. I visited quite a bit. Uh, I loved collecting the the cartridges like Berserk and Missile Command and all those. As I got a little bit older, I taped songs uh, off the radio when I couldn't afford the the 45s. And uh, a little bit after that, when I was a little bit older, uh, I remember every Friday night going to the local video store and renting B-horror movies and just watching them all night with my friends. Oh, yeah. Uh, my disqualifiers would be that uh, I really never, ever got into, well, let's just say I hated the hair metal bands of the late <laughs> 80s. Uh, I never, ever pegged my jeans. I think you might have, Alan. Oh, I, yeah, I never pegged my time. jeans. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this one is very embarrassing, but I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to be truthful. I never saw Gremlins. In fact, the first time I saw Gremlins, three years ago. It's not true. Wow. And that was because my mom watched the local news and saw all the warnings about how violent it was. And I, th- I think it was maybe the first film to earn a PG-13, that or Temple of Doom. Well, Temple of Doom is the movie that caused it. It's the movie that caused it. Okay. And so because it was PG-13 at the time, I wasn't 13. My mom didn't allow me to see it. And then by the time I was 13, I wasn't interested. So yeah, three years ago, I finally saw it. I think I think Gremlins was PG, though. I don't think oh, was it. Was it? Right. Well, either way, my mom would let me watch it. I'm pretty sure Gremlins <laughs> was PG. But uh, Temple of Doom was what P- Temple of Doom originally was PG as well. What my memory, I don't know. My memory tells me that the first PG 13 movie was Red Dawn, actually. Oh, it might have been that yeah. sounds that about makes, right. It makes sense. Yeah, I remember because I was 11 when I went and saw it, and I thought it was so cool to see a PG 13 movie when I was only 11. 
by myself. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Thanks for being here. Let's also welcome to the show, Alan. Alan, same for you. Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and please give us your Gen X qualifiers and potential disqualifiers. Like all Gen Xers, I was raised on the TV. So I, I saw baby Jessica come up. I saw the Berlin Wall go down. Sadly, I saw the Space Shuttle Challenger do both. Spent my Saturday mornings with Hanna-Barbera. I wore out my VHS copy of Fast Times at Ridgemont High from frequent pausing. Not, not, not on the main side of all. Hey, this is a family show. It is a family show. <laughs> I, I, I was just really, I was a fan of Spicoli. Hey, um, bud. Let's party. My, my religion was the mixtape. Uh, it still is. To this day, I am still in love with Susanna Hoffs. I think we all are. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's aged very well. She's yeah. aged incredibly well. And what are your potential disqualifiers, Alan? All right. My disqualifiers. My Saturday morning cartoon viewing was largely over by the early 80s. Uh, at that point, I had, for whatever reason, decided sleeping in on Saturday mornings was a better deal. So um, really, I am I'm sad and I'm, I'm ashamed to say this. I really do not know a transformer from a GoBot. What? Uh, or a or a hologram from a misfit. I, I just I did not watch Saturday morning cartoons in the eighties. I all of my viewing was in the seventies, and I still to this day have no idea who shot Jr. It was you, Kristen, who shot Jr. So that would be probably the the most shameful that I can give. You didn't even have the Transformer toys either. No, no. Oh, wow, I, I, I had a few of those. No, I, I, none of it. GI Joe, Thundercats. I was not. But, a did fan. you at least watch G Force? Yes. Okay, good. Yes. All right. Um, I can still talk to you then. <laughs> well, that thank you. I appreciate that you're talking to me. <laughs> 40 years of friendship did not end because of Psykill or Megatron. <laughs> right. You can between the two. So guys, I have only been nervous doing the show two times in the past. Once when I streamed the live show in front of a whole new audience. And the second time is here right now. I am a big fan of your show, and I had a hard time falling asleep last night worrying about the games that would be just too easy for you guys. Truly. You guys know Gen X music inside and out, and when I listened to side A of your more recent episode for the Gen X movie tournament that you guys are doing with a few other Gen X podcasts, I was really blown away with your ability to recall details from those films that you hadn't seen in like decades, right? And you guys said you did it without like no notes or anything or didn't rewatch all these movies. And you just kind of like rattled off all these things. It was really impressive. Most impressive. Well, that's very kind of you, although I'm not sure we should be proud of that. No, no, no not at all. <laughs> As my wife are... says, I, I I can remember, you know, all this useless trivia, but I can't remember to take out the trash every Tuesday. So, yeah, well, I pride myself in knowing a lot of this kind of stuff, the, the, you know, the, the cool stuff of our youth. But I, I feel like I'm a schmo here in comparison to you guys, honestly. But that being said, I do have two quibbles to say about your podcast. All right. Oh. Let's so, hear them. Please don't be offended. I am more than a little salty that there is no music love on your podcast for the TV show Robotech. You have episodes about the greatest animated TV themes of all time and the greatest instrumental TV themes of all time, neither of which have a Robotech be found anywhere. So music, for those who remember the show. Now, after hearing your disqualifier, Alan, that makes a whole lot more sense. <laughs> and I'm a whole lot less salty now about it all. But, you know, that show... Just to, just to right or wrong here, <laughs> that show, the music held key elements in that series. I mean, it was like revolutionary for kids programming of the day. Music literally saves planet Earth on the show. I mean, you guys talk about music in the cartoon Jim, but not Robotech. I just find that outrageous. Truly. Oh. 
Truly outrageous. See what you did there. Um, what Jem, uh, I, I know Jem only because of my wife. So uh, had I married differently, I don't know that Jem would have made my list. Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> so. know Jem. I probably made that clear on the, on the episode. So yeah. yeah, you did. <laughs> you know, I, I just felt in my heart as a lifelong Robotech fan, I, I got messaged not too long ago that we don't have enough Robotech on this show. So Dave, you didn't watch that there show either? There was no, that wasn't part of my experience. No, that, that's a big blank spot there in our Gen X past. Okay, well, that could be your Gen X potential disqualifier. But (laughs) (laughs) so I said I had two loud arguments, if you recall. The other quibble I have will have to be discussed on your show when I'm a guest on it in the near future, where the topic will be songs about friendship. See what I did there? Yeah. Yeah. Nice segue. (laughs) I hope the listeners will tune into your show and find out. And now I feel like you guys have to have me on your show, which guarantees me a chance to talk about music with my two new friends here tonight. So everyone wins. Well, well, thank you very much for the kind words. Uh, we're not experts. We just have a little too much time on our hands, but yeah. thank you very much. That was, that was very kind. Yeah. Judges, do these contestants have the proper credentials to continue on the show? All right, great. You guys can stay. All right. Let's move on to round two. Round two. Round two is a game called Eight is Enough. Oh, eight is enough to fill our lives with love. In this game, I'll ask a total of eight questions, four to each of our contestants. Points are awarded for each correct answer, two points for a complete correct answer, and one pity point for a partial correct answer, which is up to the judge's discretion. At any time, players can appeal the judges to make a ruling for a partial correct answer and make their case through loud arguments and putting those judges in their place. The player who currently has the power, that's you, Dave, gets to choose first between the two questions to answer. Players take turns answering questions with a chance to steal if their opponent answers incorrectly. A steal is worth one point, but more importantly, a steal also takes the power away from their opponent. You cannot lose points for an incorrect answer. However, all questions must be given an answer, no matter how incorrect they might be. So if you don't know the answer, please make something up and either make it entertaining or just give the answer Wesley. Shut up, Wesley. That seems to be a thing on the show. Either works. (laughs) The winner of round two will take a secret trip to the prize vault and choose the prize that you'll both be playing for in round three. However, the player who has the power at the end of the round will go first in round three, which is a huge advantage. So Dave, you have the power and you get to pick between these two questions. Will it be Mars ain't the kind of place to raise your God kids, which is a music question, or will it be, let's try cutting it to two packs per day, which is a movie musical question. I'm going to go with the Elton John themed question. So glad that hint worked. (laughs) (laughs) This one's called Mars Ain't the Kind of Place to Raise Your God Kids. Elton John is one of the most iconic performers and entertainers of all time. But did you know that he has 10 godchildren? Who of the following is not one of Elton John's godchildren? This is a multiple choice. Is it A, Sean Lennon, the son of John Lennon and Yoko Ono? B, Brooklyn Beckham, son of David and Victoria Beckham, C, Damien Hurley, son of Elizabeth Hurley, or D, Prince Harry, the son of Princess Diana and Prince Charles. Hmm. Well, I mean, the obvious one would be Prince Harry, because I don't know if the royal family even does the godparent thing, but it could be a symbolic, you know, type of uh, title. Lennon makes sense because he was friends with John Beckham. I know he owned a soccer club for a while. I'm going to go with Elizabeth Hurley. Elizabeth Hurley is incorrect. I'm Ooh. sorry. Alan, this is a golden opportunity to get a point and steal the power. What do you got? I'm going to say Prince Harry. Prince Harry is 
Correct. Should have well gone my first instinct. Yeah, you were you were all over that, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I think too much. Yeah. Great job, Alan. You got a point, and you stole the power. Elton John was not Prince Harry's godfather, but he was good friends with his mother, Princess Diana. Elton John could certainly afford to feed all the hungry mouths of these godchildren should it come to that. If, God forbid, Damien Hurley was to become the adopted child of Elton John, he would inherit part of Sir Elton's vast fortune of nearly a half a billion dollars. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. Over to you, Alan. This is your question for two points. It's called, let's try cutting it back to two packs per day. This is a movie musical question. The movie musical Grease taught our generation that the best way to attract your crush is to go through a major reinvention of yourself by glomming onto whatever the popular kids were doing and changing everything about your behavior and morals. It's a classic story, right? One example is when Danny tries to impress Sandy by trying out for various sports teams at Rydell High School. What are the four school sports that Danny samples in the movie Grease? Baseball, wrestling, track. I know it, so I'm hoping you don't. Um, <laughs> basketball. Yes. Ah. That is correct. That's two more points. I picked the wrong category. <laughs> <laughs> the correct answer is, of course, as you said, baseball, wrestling, track, and basketball. In the scene where he plays basketball, he steals the ball from the player by punching him in the gut. The actor he punches is uncredited in the movie, but it was none other than Michael Bean, who is much better known as playing Kyle Reese in the movie Terminator. <laughs> Cyborgs don't feel pain. I do. Don't do that again. Seeing how far the Terminator franchise has fallen over the decades, I'm super surprised that they have not used this fun fact to make a movie where Arnold Schwarzenegger travels through time to kill this random high school basketball player in the 50s who is really the great-grandfather of Kyle Reese in order to prevent the eventual birth of John Connor. A great movie. That would be. Yeah. I mean, I'd watch it. I'm just saying. <laughs> First musical Terminator. I like it. <laughs> Okay, the score is three points to zero in Alan's favor. Alan, you have the power, and you get to pick between these two questions. Will it be Cinema Soundcheck, which is a head-to-head challenge, or It's Showtime Synergy, which is a television cartoon question after 1970s? After 1970s. Uh, Let's go head-to-head. All right. Let's do it. (laughs) Never could have foreseen that. This game is called Cinema Soundcheck, which is a head-to-head challenge. For this question, I will give you the title tracks of a musical score of a popular movie from Generation X, and you need to tell me the title of the movie that it's from. Movie scores are usually instrumentals with obscure titles, and that should give you the hints you need to name the movie. So we will go back and forth between each player, give it a new movie title for each turn. Two points will be awarded for the player that gets it correct on their turn. So Alan, this is your question. Then we'll go back and forth until someone gets it. Whoever gets it on their turn will get the points. Here's your clues. IMDb lists this film as a comedy. It was rated PG-13. It is not Red Dawn. And it was released in 1986. Song number one, let's see if you get it from Star Wars main theme song. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You son of a gun. From the first clue. Impressive. First clue, of course. Out of the the car. I didn't even get a chance. (laughs) Did you know it, Dave? Yeah, but it's it's good. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> I don't think we've ever got it from the first clue. So well done, Alan. 
The judges is, are not going to be happy. <laughs> the judges are off stage shaking their fists. They're they're going to unsubscribe to your podcast. I'm sorry. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. So let's go through it. If you're not uh, a savant like Alan and can get this, and Dave, since you had it as well, right? Song one was a Star Wars main theme. Song two was I Dream of Genie. Song three was Going to Take a Stand. Four, I did this just for you, Dave. Please, please, please let me get what I want. Nice. Yep. Song five was Oh, Shauna Jean. Six, Let My Cameron Go. Seven, Taking the Day Off. If you didn't get it by then, song eight was Oh, Yeah. And here's the fun fact. Despite the popularity of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, it took 30 years for the film's soundtrack to be, receive an official release in 2016. For the art gallery scene sequence, an exciting rock treat was planned. As fans probably know, an instrumental of the Smith song, Please, 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 Let Me Get What I Want, is what ended up in the flick. However, The Cure wrote a song to be in that scene to play alongside Ferris and his friends' antics. What happened? In the classic case of creative differences by the music supervisor who was fired from the production following disagreements with John Hughes, when the music supervisor left, he took the rights to The Cure song with him. If we couldn't have The Cure, at least we got the Smiths, kind of. Yes, I'm, I'm in a big hole right now. <laughs> yes, a giant hole. I'm sorry, Dave. <laughs> Five points to zero. I feel like you haven't even really got a chance to even answer sorry. anything yet, Dave. <laughs> Dave's not here. But now you do get a chance. <laughs> a question called, it's Showtime Synergy. This is a cartoon question. Jim is the lead singer of the Holograms, but what is her real identity? Wesley. Shut up, Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that is incorrect. <laughs> Wesley is not the right answer. Alan, I, I got to think your wife is screaming into her podcast player right now because she knows the answer. Oh, Alan, does. do you? I do not. No, I am. Um, we have a rule that you cannot say, I don't know on the show. Right. You got to say Wesley. Oh. Yeah. Or else you get slimed. <laughs> just, like, just like in, uh, you can't do that on television. You know, you can't say, I don't know, but we're not going to so, slime you yet. You got to give an answer. Veronica. Veronica is incorrect. It's Betty. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Jerrica Benton is the correct answer. Jerrica Benton. Yes. That's so Alan Mayer, but yeah. I would not have come up with that. Alan's wife, if you're listening, please uh, smack your husband for uh, everyone else who, who also knew that. She will. I promise. <laughs> okay. So uh, the score is still five points to zero. Alan, you, you have retained the power. Alan, you get to pick between these two questions. Will it be over at the Frankenstein place? which is a movie musical question, or will it be cartoon catchphrases, which is a head-to-head -head challenge? Over at the Frankenstein place. Okay. This question comes to us from Patreon supporter and listener of the podcast. Listener Robin writes in to quiz us saying, the Rocky Horror Picture Show is the ultimate cult classic and the longest running theatrical release in film history. The opening scene features a pair of disembodied lips singing science fiction double feature. To shoot this, one of the original movie cast members lip synced along to another cast member's vocals. Which actor slash character's lips were used and which actor slash character's vocals were used in the iconic opener? So you, we will accept either the actor or character's name for this answer. It was Magenta's lips and it was Riff Raff's vocals. That is correct. No deliberation even. Oh, no, no. Yeah, that's where... Good job. Do you know that? Oh, yeah. Good yeah, job. Good yeah. job. I'm sitting there going, come on, man. Mess it up. Mess it up. Yeah. Having the power makes a huge difference. That's two <laughs> more points. Seven to nothing. Here's the fun fact. 
If you or your kids have watched Phineas and Ferb, Richard O'Brien does the voice. Uh, that's the actor who played uh, Riff Raff. Also, I believe he's the creator of the yeah, that's movie, right. right? Yeah, he wrote yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does the voice of the dad on that show. So thank you, Mr. O'Brien, for continuing to entertain us after all these years. Also, thank you to Robin for sending in this question. If you'd like to have your Gen X question read on the show, like Robin did, you can email me or any of the judges at whowillsavegenx at gmail.com. Okay, here's your question, Dave. It's a cartoon catchphrases is the name of it. It's a head-to-head challenge. Seems like TV catchphrases were a bigger thing in our generation than compared to any other. One show we watched growing up seemed to be chock full of catchphrases, and that was Scooby-Doo. Let's see how well you remember them. In this head-to-head challenge, you must give me a popular catchphrase from the franchise with each turn, and the player with the last correct answer will be awarded the two points for the question, and possibly the power with the steal. All characters from all incarnations of the show during the Gen X timeline are in play here. So side note, for authenticity, these are all catchphrases listed from the Hanna-Barbera wiki page, and it is important to note that the judges will give a lot of leeway for loud arguments here if you give your answers doing an impression of the character with the matching catchphrase, if you want to. There are 11 catchphrases from the wiki page to pick from. So this was Dave's question. You get to go first, Dave. Let's go with the most obvious one. Uh, where are you, Scooby-Doo? Scooby, where are, I think that was in the actual uh, opening credits. Scooby-Doo, where are you? That's correct, Dave. Sort of. Well done. <laughs> Alan, over to you. Jinkies. Oh, I was going to say that. And who, that would who, be... Whose catchphrase is that? That would be Velma. Jinkies. That's correct as well. Back to you, Dave. All yeah. incarnations of all the different uh, yeah. shows. Oh, even even Scrappy, huh? Uh, mm-hmm. How about a Scooby snack? I, I'm, I'm blanking here. Judges? Uh, oh really okay. uh, yeah uh, would you do it for a scooby snack <laughs> okay was, okay yeah. would you do it for a scooby snack okay you're still alive alan over to you puppy power not going for the impression huh no no <laughs> i don't blame you <laughs> that is correct the official entry is puppy power. how uh, about uh and i would have got away with it too if it wasn't for you meddling kids word for word All right. well done Get my Scooby-Doo cred back. And your dog, too. (laughs) (laughs) And I would have gotten away with it, too, if it hadn't been for you meddling kids and your nosy dog. Whose catchphrase is that, Dave? Uh, It was, well, any of the the villains that uh, were captured, right? Yeah. My official answer is any rando bad guy. Yeah. So. Yep. Judges? Okay. Still alive. Back to you, Alan. Zoinks. Said by? Shaggy. What's his full name, though? I'm sorry. Uh, Shaggy Rogers. First name? Oh, no, no. It was Fred Rogers, wasn't it? She- Fred, Fred Rogers was Fred in Rogers. our main neighborhood. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fred Rogers was the guy in the cardigan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just messing with you, Alan. You're going to get the point, but I was just wondering if you wanted to flex a little and give his full name. It was, um, was it Norville? Um, uh, Norville Shaggy Rogers. You got it. Okay. Yeah. That's nice. It. Well done. Well, now I'm just grasping at straws here. Uh, I'm going to say Fred saying, uh, let's split up, gang. Because <laughs> that sounds like something he would have said. And he he totally says that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. But I'm sorry that did not make the wiki page. <laughs> Jeez. Who's writing the wiki page? I know. I know. Uh, the for the entry for Fred is, looks like we got another mystery on our hands. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 Ooh, you did that really well. Yeah. That was I've impressive. watched the show too. <laughs> extra as well. Okay. The ones we did not get was uh, Jeepers. Jeepers. Said by Daphne. Ruh, ruh, ruggy. Said by Scooby-Doo. Uh, you already got Zoinks. One more entry by Scrappy-Doo was, let me at him. Let me at him. 
right? If you remember that stuff. Oh, yeah. And uh, and the really the most famous one none of, none of you guys said was Ruby Ruby Roo. There right? you go. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay, so uh, that's another point for Alan, right? Bringing you to eight with the steel. You retain you the power. Take, just take the round, man. Just take it. <laughs> Here's the last set of questions. Alan, these are to you. You can pick either from Born in the EGOT, which is a music question, or will it be name that auto-tune head-to-head challenge? EGOT. Oh, let's go with that. Born in the EGOT is a music question. An EGOT is an acronym for Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony, and is the achievement of winning all four of the major American entertainment awards. Considered to be the grand slam of the entertainment industry, only 16 people have ever achieved the EGOT, including Mel Brooks, Whoopi Goldberg, and Rita Marino. Bruce Springsteen is currently only one award away from an EGOT. Which award is the boss missing? I'm sorry, Dave. I know. It's yeah, it, it, luck's yeah, yeah. not on my side it's, here. Go he, ahead. He's missing the Tony. No, no. No? No. It's Broadway special. <clears throat> Oh, the Emmy. Yeah. <laughs> Which I just gave to you. You totally blew it, dude. But yeah. you knew it anyway. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry, <laughs> Alan. That's right. incorrect. Dave, don't cut him. There. <laughs> the Emmy. He actually won the Tony for? Yeah. Produ- I didn't yeah. know that. Okay. Emmy is correct. You're on the board. You were a little too confident there. I was. Pride cometh before a fall, my friend. Oh, man. <laughs> I still can't win this round. But... <laughs> it is useless to resist. Bruce has won 20 Grammys. He has an Oscar for the song Streets of Philadelphia, which he wrote for the movie Philadelphia. And most recently, he won a special Tony Award, as you said, for his one-man show, Springsteen on Broadway. So he still needs to win the Emmy, right? But to be fair, it would be nearly impossible for him to be the subject of an episode for the TV show Undercover Boss. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Dave, this is your question. It's uh, name that auto-tune. It was a head-to-head challenge. I got some really good news for you, Dave. Now, yeah. Dave, Dave just stole the power, right? Yes. Oh, I got okay. the power again. That's the good news. The power. Okay. Good news is having the power is more important than having the points. Oh, all right. Right. So if you can retain the power here, you're going to be in the driver's seat for round three. No But pressure. I think, Alan, uh, your friend from the smart side of the school might have something to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> this is the name that auto-tune head-to-head challenge. For this question, the judges will perform part of a popular Gen X song, and you have to give me the title and artist of the song. The catch here is that the judges are terrible performers, and they will also be using an awful fake British accent to make things sound more confusing and silly than are necessary. There are a total of three songs that you'll take turns answering, with the regular rules applying for stealing the power as well as stealing points. So that means this question could potentially be worth up to five points to one of you. So anything can still happen. Except for math being on your side. (laughs) Let's not overthink it. Let's just play the game. We'll give you a hint to try and help you by letting you know the year the song was released, as well as the genre the song belongs to, according to Wikipedia. That last bit of information may or may not help you, depending on who wrote the article, right? Listen up, Dave. This is for your song. I need the artisan title. Here's your hint. The song is from 1984, and Wikipedia calls this a dance rock genre. I check my look in the mirror. Wanna change my clothes, my hair, my face. Man, I ain't getting nowhere. I'm just living in a dump like this. There's something happening somewhere. Baby, I just know that there is. That would be Bruce Springsteen with Dancing in the Dark. Correct. You said that like a DJ. 
dance rock. Well, it was he danced in the video. Uh, not well. Which he, but... Yeah, he shouldn't have. But <laughs> Brian De Palma made Courtney him. Cox joined them on yep, stage. Yep. So, yeah. Okay. See, so you're already catching up. Three points to eight. Well done. Uh, let's hear uh, a second of the original. I check my look in the mirror. Wanna change my clothes, my hair, my face, and I ain't getting nowhere. I'm just living in a dump like this. There's something happening somewhere. Baby, I just know you kiss. Well done, Dave. I think that was a layup for you. Let's go to song number two. This is for you, Alan. This song is from 1977, and Wikipedia calls it a pop rock genre. Let's see if you can decipher what the judges are saying here. And she'll promise you more than the Garden of Eden. Then she'll carelessly cut you and laugh while you're bleeding. But she brings out the best and the worst you can be. What, what do you got? Uh, that would be She's Always a Woman by Billy Joel. Let's find out if he's right or not. And she'll promise you more than the Garden of Eden. And she'll carelessly cut you and laugh while you're bleeding. But she'll bring out the best and the worst you can be. Blame it all on yourself because she's always a woman to me. Well done, Alan. That's correct. That's two more points, bringing you to 10 to three. So after I play these bits by the judges, you guys, each time, both look at each other and like roll your <laughs> eyes and like, oh, come on, man. Like, what's this like garbage you're giving us? This is like first grade crap. But now we go to song number three. This one could be a little bit more difficult. Song number three, that's for you, Dave, because of course it is the hard one. This song is from 1987. The genre for this last song is, quote, alternative rock slash college rock. I believe in you, though. I think you got it. Easy crush. Let's see if you can get artisan title to this song. The other night I drifted nice. Continental drift divide. Mountains sit in a line. Leonard Bernstein. Leonard Breshmov. Lenny Bruce and Lester Bangs. Birthday party. Cheesecake. Jelly bean. Boom. You seem biotic, patriotic, slam, but neck. Right. Right. That would be REM. It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. The other night I tripped a nice continental trip to Biden Mountain Sit in a line. Leonard Bernstein, Leon Mad Brash, Nap, Lenny Bush, and Lester Banks, birthday party, cheesecake, jelly bean, boom. Symbiotic, patriotic, slam, but neck. Right? That is also correct. That's two more points for you. The good news is you have retained the power. Oh, nice. Final score. We're not going to talk about. We're just going to move on to round three. <laughs> We're not going to pile on Dave here. Dave. Alan, congratulations for winning round two. We're going to put your opponent in the fandom zone while you and I take a secret trip to the prize vault where you will select the prize that the two of you will be playing for in the final round. But before we do that, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. The new adventures of Mighty Mouse and Heckle and Jekyll will return after In the News and these messages. If you're enjoying the show so far, please consider giving us a positive review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Facebook, or wherever you get your podcasts from, and subscribing for future episodes. Positive reviews truly do make a difference in the algorithms podcast platforms use to suggest new shows to their users. So if you're so inclined, please help us spread the word about the podcast. We'd love to have you as a friend of the show. Thanks so much. 
And now, back to the new adventures of Mighty Mouse and Heckle and Jekyll. Dave, since you have the power, Alan has to go into the Phantom Zone as we move in to round three. Round three. Round three is a prize round called Dysfunctional Family Feud. In this final round, I will ask the same five survey questions, Family Feud style, to each player in turn, and they will need to respond with what they think are the most popular responses from the Generation X timeline. That's the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. These are actual survey questions taken from actual people from Generation X that have been quizzed by the show via Facebook and our newsletter. The player who has the power, that's you, Dave, gets to answer first while player two is unable to hear their responses. Player two will then have to give responses to the same five questions and beat the other player's score without duplicating any of their answers. Whoever gets the most points wins the game and goes on to claim a chance at their prize at the winner of round two is selected in secret. Uh, so I just want a quick announcement before we start. It's been pointed out to us that more people would like to take part in the dysfunctional family feud surveys, but do not have access to add their voice to the answers. Well, here's your chance. Sign up for our newsletter today, and it will include a spot for you to reply to upcoming surveys and get your answers on the show. Share your Gen X knowledge with the world or see if your answers end up in the honorable mentions segment. It's great fun either way. Okay, that's enough of that. Let's play Dysfunctional Family Feud. You will get one pass. Pro tip, use your pass. Your time will begin after I finish reading the first question. Who was the 90s celebrity crush of every girl? Uh, That would be... Jason Priestley. What was the first Gen X movie that made you cry? Um, Never Ending Story. At which clothing store did you hate to shop for back to school clothes? Kmart. Name a song that is also the title of a movie from Generation X. Footloose. And finally, name a character that played a mother, we're looking for a character's name, that played a mother on a TV show in the 80s. Mrs. Keaton from Family Ties. Okay, that's the five. Let's bring Alan back in from the Family All right. Zone. So I'm going to ask you the same five survey questions. I asked Dave. Dave. You may not duplicate any of his answers. If you do, you'll hear this sound. And then you'll give me another answer. Okay. Yep. It's a little more difficult. So you get two passes. Pro tip, make sure you use your passes. Dave gave us some excellent answers. It's not going to be easy. Your time will begin. After I finish reading the first question, who was the nineties celebrity crush of every girl? Pass. What was the first Gen X movie that made you cry? Uh, the champ. At which clothing store did you hate to shop for back to school clothes at? Uh, Kmart. Try again. Okay. Sears. Name a song that is also the title of a movie from generation X. Let's go with Footloose. Try again. Uh, Let's go with um, Stand By Me. Name a character that played a mother on a TV show in the 80s. Elise Keaton. Try again. Your buddy of 40 years and you think exactly alike. (laughs) Claire Huxtable. That's a good answer. And let's go back to the one you passed on. Who was the 90s celebrity crush of every girl? 90s. Luke Perry. I went with the other one. Did you? All right, guys, let's go to the scores. I asked you, who was the 90s celebrity crush of every girl? Alan, you gave us Luke Perry, which was the number three answer worth 20 points. Dave, you went the other way and you gave us Jason Priestley, 
which unfortunately did not make the survey oh. worth zero points. The ladies like the bad boys, Dave. Yeah, no, yeah. I never learned that. <laughs> <laughs> Same. The number one answer was Brad Pitt. We get the information for the surveys from listeners via our newsletter and we also get some very interesting replies. So I'd like to give some of the honorable mention, some of these answers. Honorable mention goes to the two votes for Joey Lawrence and the four votes for the new kids on the block. They weren't specific with which members of the boy band they were voting for, but I assume it was one vote for each of the kids, except Danny, obviously. Right, right, right. <laughs> Nobody had a crush on Danny. That joke would go over a lot better if I had two Gen X ladies on the, on the show. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Going to question two, what was the first Gen X movie that made you cry? Alan, you gave us the very Gen X movie, The Champ. <laughs> Come on, that was totally Gen <laughs> It was the 70s. <laughs> and little Ricky Schroeder, oh, yeah. he bawls his eyes out. I and know, John he Bob does, dies. but no one else saw the movie. Well, so. they should, yeah. because it's a sad movie, damn it. <laughs> well, you're going to be crying too, because that did not make the survey. Yeah. So you're still stuck on 20 points. Going to you, Dave. You gave us the never-ending story, which was the number three answer as well, worth 25 points. Should have said my girl. Oh, yeah. I didn't good. even think about my oh. girl. Shout out to the one dude who voted for Mr. Holland's opus and managed not to cry in a movie until 1995. You, I, <laughs> you sir, either have a heart of stone or you've never watched Optimus Prime turn gray and die in the Transformers movie as a kid. I guess that'd be you too, Alan. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Judges, what about this guy's Gen X credentials? What, what can we do about the survey guy? Okay. The number one answer for this question was E.T., Oh, yeah. Oh, duh. duh. Yeah. <laughs> he made everyone cry. Damn Speaking it. of turning gray and dying. Yeah, yeah. Or just about. Question three was, at which store did you hate to shop for back to school clothes? Alan, you gave us the very popular answer of Sears, which was the number one answer worth 32 points. Bringing you to 52 points. Dave, you gave us Kmart, mm -hmm. which was the number three answer worth 24 points. Honorable mention to the one vote that simply read Clover. We took this as either a store we never heard of or Adam and Eve from the Bible crashed our <laughs> Gen X survey. <laughs> They're not wrong in either case. So the score is Dave with 49 points and Alan with 52 points. Three points separate you going to the turn here. Name a song that is also a title from a Gen X movie. Alan, you gave us Stand By Me, which was the number four answer worth 20 points. Ooh. Yeah, it's a good answer. Dave gave us the much better answer with Footloose, which was the number one answer worth 30 points. Honorable mention goes to the one vote for Mortal Kombat. Props to them for spelling it with all caps and with a dozen exclamation points behind it. Going into the final question, the scores are Dave with 79 and Alan with 72. Seven points separate you in the final question. I asked you, Name a character that played a mother on a TV show in the 80s. Dave, you gave us Mrs. Keaton from Family Ties. Mrs. Keaton was the number two answer worth 25 points, bringing you to a grand total of 104 points. Currently, Alan has 72, so you're 32 points behind. Is that right? Is that my math right? Don't ask me. I'm an English yeah, teacher. I... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it all comes down to this. Alan, you said Claire Huxtable. I can tell you Claire Huxtable is the number one answer on the survey, but was it enough? What did Gen X say? Survey said. It is worth 30 points. That means you, wow. Dave. Congratulations. By the narrowest margin of one point, you've won the game. 
Congratulations, oh. Dave. You're doing you. your part to save Generation X. Well done. Job, Alan. I thought of you course. had me. I was sure you had me with that. No, nope. it couldn't have been any closer. We, we have to come back on the show again. <laughs> if you'll have us. Best yeah, out of three. <laughs> I'm sorry, Alan, that things didn't work out the way uh, it was trending the whole game, frankly, on this episode. But I hope you had a good time all the same. Did you have a good time? Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Oh, definitely. This is great. Thanks so much for playing. For winning round three, I offer a chance at a prize by me placing bids on my eBay watch list on the winner's behalf. I will place multiple bids on the listing chosen in secret until I'm the high bidder. If that bid holds up until the end of the auction, then I will buy that item for the winner, who's Dave, and have it shipped out to you. Good luck. Let's take a look at all the prizes that Alan had to pick from. And then, Alan, will you please reveal to us what was chosen and why you chose it? As is show tradition, we have Garbage Bell Kids cards to offer. Here we have Alien Alan and New Wave Dave. <laughs> Nice. Next, we have a t-shirt with a black and white picture of Mullah Ram from Temple of Doom on the front. Steal my beating heart. <laughs> <laughs> he is standing there with a menacing and thoughtful expression of what he's planning to say to Kali when he gets to hell. In elementary school, it was easy to pick out the cool kids at lunch based on which characters were on their lunchbox. And you'll also be singled out as well as an adult bringing your lunch in this vintage ALF lunchbox singled out for sure. Does it fit cats? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> the next listing is for a nine-inch plush doll of Scooby-Doo's nephew, Scrappy-Doo. The listing is super cheap, starting here at only at 99 cents. After doing a little bit of research, I found out why. is because you have to supply your own gasoline and matches. See, <laughs> that's how they get you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> here is a vintage Bruce Springsteen scarf from a concert the boss did in 1985. It reads born in the USA, and then right next to it is the location of the concert, which happened to be in Germany. This <laughs> next item is a Playboy magazine from May of 1982. If this sort of reading material is not welcomed in your home, you can always do like some of our boomer fathers did and say you got it for the article that features Billy Joel. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Side note, this, this issue also features Ray Don Chong doing something racy within its pages. And uh, <laughs> this is embarrassing for me to say, but uh, I was today years old when I realized her name was Ray Don Chong. I always thought it was Ray Dong Chong. <laughs> and I gotta be honest that I picked it because I thought it'd be really silly and immature. To go, oh, I could have to say Dong and Playboy in the same jokey entrance here, but- There's uh, a no, 16 it, Candles joke in there somewhere yeah, too. Yeah, there yeah. is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was going- uh, <laughs> Long Duck Dong style, but uh, anyways, okay, we'll see about that one. Great articles though, really great articles. Moving on, moving on. Okay, this one's kind of silly. We started things off by talking about Star Wars toys, and to bring it full circle, we are offering this vintage 1978 Darth Vader action figure. He's only missing a couple things here, it, like his cape, his lightsaber, oh, and both of his arms. Is that only... the, the Monty Python edition? Yeah. <laughs> What yeah, he's the uh, Black Knight. If only there was a way to fix that problem. The next and totally separate listing is also a Star Wars action figure, and it is the right and left arm of Darth Vader. These two dudes need to get together and share a single listing, <laughs> I think. So, Alan, please tell us which of these fabulous prizes you selected for your buddy to win. Well, I wanted them all, but I went ahead and I chose... The boss. Nice. The Springsteen scarf. Nice. So excellent. Thank you. You're welcome. Good choice. Good choice. Okay. Let's bid this sucker up. Starting bid is at 99 cents. Believe it or not, we're going to bid it. Hey, we're the high bidder at 99 cents and uh, 465 for shipping. 
if this bid holds up until the end of the auction, I'll buy that item and have it shipped out to you, Dave. Good luck. All right. I'm looking forward to it. Hey guys, tell the listeners more about your podcast, where they can find your rad show. And if you don't mind, end your plug with your show's fun sign-off that you guys do at the end of every episode. It makes me happy every time I hear it. Uh, well, I just want to say, first of all, thank you, Zade, for this. It was a wonderful opportunity. I've always wanted to be on a game show. So now I feel like a bucket list item has, has been crossed off. So and I'm really looking forward to having you on our show too. And thank you, Alan, you know, many years of friendship and uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, doing this here today as well. So yeah, we are Gen X Mixtape, and I'm going to let Alan talk about that. The podcast is a celebration of mixtape culture. It, it celebrates the art of the mixtape and the Gen Xers who made them. We pick a new theme. Every, every episode. Week. For each theme, we do a side A, we do a side B. It's a two-part episode. We have a lot of very cool themes coming up. Uh, we're looking at two hit wonders of the 80s. We're looking <laughs> at, uh, we're going to do another Uncharted, which is introducing Gen Xers to newer music that we think they actually would like. They're all songs that have not charted on the Hot 100. We, we, we have a few different things uh, in the mix, including a friendship episode. And we are inviting Zabe here, our, our new friend, to join us. He'll be a a co-host on that particular episode. And apparently we will learn his second gripe when he <laughs> yeah, joins I, I us. Yeah, I want to know what that gripe uh, is. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm in suspense. I'm going to be so out of my league when I go on your guys' show. I'm just going to try and tread water here. We and, fake and, the whole thing, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, all, it's all smoke and mirrors, you know. Yeah. I'm interested in that uh, two-hit wonder show, too. I, by my math, it's probably going to be twice as good as the one-hit wonder show you guys already did. Oh, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you can come to genxmixtape.com. That's our website, and there's a lot of information there, including playlists uh, that appear when we uh, drop an episode. What episode do you think would be a good one to break them in on? So, yeah, what do you think was a good I mean, we, we did an artist spotlight on, on Weird Al. I thought it came off pretty well. Yeah, that was um, fun. What else? Uh, the um, TV uh, episode, TV right. themes was yeah, good. Yeah, the trilogy. I, um, I'm still a fan of our Guilty Pleasures. Oh, yeah, that was I, good I thought too. that yeah. was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's what we tell people is just look down the list and, and find something that interests you yeah. and start there. Don't start with episode one. Find what interests you the most and then the second. And if you still like us, just keep going down. Yeah, anything that jumps out at you. Just don't expect Robotech to be on any of the uh, no. episodes. You guys no. Have. no, no, no. Okay. No. <laughs> Fair <laughs> warning. If my recommendation means anything to people listening, my- it was a Father's Day episode you guys did. It was did. a Father's Day episode. Father's Eyes, was that the title of it? I, I, each, each of our titles are, are titles of songs. So yeah, yeah. my Father's yeah. Eyes. For some reason, I started there when I listened. You know, I'm a father of a, of a 10 year old daughter and um, I'm not going to lie. I got misty eyed listening oh, wow. to this and hearing you guys talk about, you know, your experiences in fatherhood. And another cool thing you guys do is all the songs you put on your Spotify list. And so uh, as a playlist, and we can just listen to all the ones you have back to back. It's super great concept. But that episode was was so great. And, you know, I, I, I totally got misty eyed. I'm like, OK, well, these guys are true Gen Xers and super knowledgeable and I want to be friends with these guys. And and that's what you are. You are friends. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's what's so great is because when you listen to the show, you really feel like you're hanging out with a couple of buddies and you know, maybe you're tossing a few back and talking music. And what's more Gen X than that? You know? Exactly. Yep. We used to do it at Denny's. Now we do it for a yes. limited audience. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks so much for being on the show, guys. Yep. All right. Let's do the sign off. Let's see if I can do this from memory. Okay. And that's all for this week. Hot funk, cool punk. Even if it's old junk, another mix of memories awaits next week. But for now, press pause, lift the needle and hit eject. And we will see you on the flip side. Wow. You guys did it perfect on the first try. See, we should, I should go without notes from now. Yeah, you should. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thank you for checking out the show. We know you have a vast ocean of choices for your podcasting enjoyment, and it is simply amazing that you chose to spend a little time on our little show. Thank you. If you like the show, you can join us on Facebook and our Facebook group of the same name. If you'd like to contribute directly to the show, we have a Patreon account set up at patreon.com slash who will save Gen X. Contributions there go directly to keeping the show going, paying for Bruce Springsteen scarves from Germany, an all-around improvement on it for the show. At our Patreon site, you'll find special offers for becoming a contributor to the show, so take advantage of those if you're so inclined. For those of you who'd like to support the show but don't want to use Patreon, we now offer our Venmo for your convenience. You can find us at Who Will Save Gen X on your Venmo account, if that is your preference. If you like what we're doing here and you want to do your part to save Generation X from being forgotten, you can contribute there. In either case, thanks so much for listening. Before we go, I'd like to remind you that you can find the links and details. <clears throat> the links when it's time to change. You can find the links and details about my guests in our newsletter, uh, Venmo and Patreon, and all the show notes in the show notes for this episode. If you're feeling like a slacker at the moment, you can just email me and I promise I'll write you back with all the details you want. You can reach me or any of the judges at whowillsavegenx at gmail.com. Well, that's it for the episode, everybody. Thanks again for checking out the show. We welcome you to subscribe to the show for future episodes where we will once again ask the question, who will save Generation X? Later. Hey, bud, <laughs> let's party. How about a Scooby snack? See, I was going to go with Slave Lamb. The ladies like the bad boys, they. Yeah. It's all for you. Who's writing the wiki page? Ray Dong Chong. Frequent pausing. When it's time to change. Uh, hey, this is a family show. It is a family show. <laughs> <laughs> Ruh roh, Raggy. Truly, truly See, outrageous. The judges are not going to be happy. Jinky. Then we're going to edit that part right out of the show. Do not know a transformer from a robot. Don't ask me, I'm an English teacher. Yeah, I had the Boba Fett with the rocket. Action figures each sold separately. Ruby, Ruby, Roo. Balloons not included. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.